Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Vent. This is Vent Weekly. A collaboration between Vice and Brent 2020, London Borough of Culture. Get a cracking. This is Vent Daily. I'm Sophie. I'm part of the Blueprint Collective, a group of creative young people at the heart of Brent 2020, London Borough of Culture. We are taking over the last two episodes of this Vent Daily mini series. For the next two days, we're sharing recordings of some conversations we've facilitated with members of the Blueprint Collective, all about how to educate yourself. Just a heads up, we recorded the audio over video call, so it may sound a little glitchy, but the quality of the conversation is 100%. Hi everyone, (laughs) Um, I'm Sophie, I'm a co-founder for All Black Lives UK, and I'm also co-creating this episode on systemic racism in education and why it's important to implement Black Lives Matter or Black education into the curriculum and yeah so if you guys would like to introduce yourself as well tell me a bit about yourself maybe where you come from and we'll jump right in i'm titania altius i'm currently a creative producer on the brent 2020 program i say this a lot i'm third generation halston (laughs) (laughs) my background is i have been a lecturer at the london college of fashion for In 2007, I've been a teacher in mainstream primary school. I've been head of inclusion that covers special needs and and you name it in a primary school locally. So, yeah, I've got a long background in history and education and the arts. Um, My name's Leah Clark. Uh, (laughs) I live in Stonebridge. So you guys are close to me. So I'm surprised I have never seen you before. I lived I in St. Rast for a little while. It's actually mad. But yeah, um, I live in Stonebridge. I'm currently a business development manager selling kitchens, but um, my history is in arts and performing and everything else like that. So yeah, that's that's a bit about me. My name is Laura and I live in Wilsdon Green. Lived here for basically all my life. I studied history, so maybe there's a tiny bit of connection. I don't know. That's me. And I have a job. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> yeah. Especially during these times. But um, it's safe to say that I guess we've all got um, like a creative field or something related to the arts linked to us, um, which I guess that's our like, common you know, factor there. And so jumping in then, this is just like very casual. This is not um, very strict at all in terms of how we're going to solve systemic racism. It's more I just want to know how you feel and, you know, just say whatever's on your mind with regards to what I might say. So I'm sure that everyone knows the textbook definition of systemic racism, but to you, what do you think it is and do you have any experiences? I think when they talk about systemic racism, for me, the big thing is that it's that difference, the impact on your life from the day you're born. 
to the day that you die literally from the day I just think about my experience giving birth as a mother everyone else was seen on the ward before me I had to wait when you go you know so before my son was born he was impacting on his life and his life choices everything he does everywhere he goes even to to death so my mum was dying she was in a hospice she was ignored it's having to shout a lot it's being labeled it's being tired it's being exhausted it's fighting for every single thing from the day you are born your race, your skin colour impacts on every opportunity, everything yeah. that you do, everything that you say, down to the day that you die. And that, that is the sadness. You, you could be born and not say or do a single thing, but it, it's impacting on you. Your race is impacting on you from that moment. What you mentioned about the healthcare thing as well, how like usually how black people have to exaggerate their symptoms um, just yeah. to get help. So um, like, for example, when my friend, she was in pain, uh, like se- like severe pain, they wouldn't serve her because they thought she wasn't being serious or she was exaggerating. And yes, yeah, she literally had to scream the whole hospital down just to get some help. And only then did they give it to her. Got to be louder, whether it's in school, in employment, in housing, you name it. You've just got to use your voice and you've got to argue and fight for every single thing. I actually saw a Twitter feed recently during lockdown about this about black people in medicine and the way that we're overlooked especially I think with black women and how they think that we over exaggerate and that's the reason why they don't take us so seriously so yeah. and that, and I think in America it's a lot worse especially because the healthcare system is really is privatized but they were talking about this and how people get mister misdiagnosed because of this as well like oh you've only got cramps or oh da, 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 just like pushing it under the rug until you know this lady said that she had to go to five different consultants and they finally found out what was wrong with her and then she felt vindicated she felt like oh my god I've finally been heard and I've finally been listened to and she all her suspicions were right in the end but it's so drastic yeah. it's crazy when you know you're right and like you literally it's not even just a gut instinct at this point it's logic it's sense yeah. um, and to be told by someone who like doesn't look like you or may not understand the, the background or your culture or anything like that they've only been trained in a specific like race of people for treatment um, and they don't know how to help you from there it's crazy like it's like what did you actually become a doctor for <laughs> do you know what I mean exactly. anything you go to the doctor with for skin I take myself my kids I have to say before you start it's not eczema <sighs> okay everything is it's not eczema uh, Leah do you have anything to be honest with you guys talking about hair care my tooth started hurting <laughs> like I went to the dentist I love going to the dentist everyone's oh, yeah. opinion on the dentist is different but I love it so wow. I would go anytime I had a problem, I'd be like, all right, go sort it, fix it. And my wisdom teeth were giving me problems when I was like 16. So I went, that's when it was free. So you're like, calm, I'll keep going. And every year I went to them and said, my wisdom teeth, my wisdom teeth, my wisdom teeth. I'm now 21. It took to the age of 21 for them to say, oh, all four of them shouldn't be bothering you. Yeah, we'll get them taken out. And then I'm still put on a waiting list, like oh, waiting, really? waiting. But I went to three different dentists in that time and they were all saying, no, it's fine. Just floss. And mm just do this and I'm like what do you think I have been doing like mm. there's nothing yeah. wrong apart from my wisdom teeth so I definitely understand that so we're part of the blueprint and Titania you're the London Borough of Culture creative producer for education and Hulls the native yeah. so like, what led you to like want to lead training in Black Lives Matter or like try and implement it into the curriculum so I suppose for me when you think about teachers and their position of you know they are teaching future generations aren't they and for me what they do should reflect society schools don't exist in a vacuum so Mm. they need to be reflecting what's happening in reality in you know real life and 
CPD, the idea behind CPD training is that it equips you to be a better teacher, to reflect what's happening in those, in those children's lives. It's about, you know, supporting your students and how can you support students in this if you haven't had any training? I mean, I know a lot of teachers. It's racism, anti-racism. They're all really difficult concepts to understand, especially if you are not yourself black. So how can we expect teachers to go into this space where they are educating young people, where they are trying to encourage anti-racism, when they're talking about history, whether that's slavery or colonisation, all of these things. How are they going to have those the confidence to deliver this, these really important topics without the right training? Mm-hmm. And they are uncomfortable and they should be uncomfortable. It's right to be uncomfortable because it's awful. It's horrible. Yeah. But just because you're uncomfortable, it doesn't mean that you don't have to have those conversations. These young people rely on you. They they need you to get up, to, to know what you're talking about and to deliver it confidently. And so how can we expect teachers to do that without having the right training? And I don't think that training happens enough. And mm-hmm. in light of what's happened recently in Brent, with Black Lake, across the, you know, across the world, but this is a Brent program, we need to be equipping teachers with the tools that they need to make sure that they can do their job. I don't know what you guys think, you're mm-hmm. a lot closer to school age than me but I'm just thinking actually I'm sort of looking through thinking about education and training and thinking I hear stories from my mum from my grandmother about what their life was like in Britain in London in Harlesden going to school and not enough has changed so there's a lot of questions there and we need to be part of the answer. I definitely agree with the sense of teachers being uncomfortable people in general not even just teachers people of all fields being uncomfortable to talk about especially when they haven't got any form of relation to it. You're, I mean, you're preaching it, but you're not necessarily practicing what you're preaching. I guess for everyone here, like, how would you think of ways like implement it into the curriculum rather than just straight away saying, you know what, we need more black figures in history. Like, what subject areas would you like to delve into or extracurricular activities to try and bring that to schools in Brent? Because ultimately, that's where like most development starts from the classroom. And most understanding of that starts from the classroom, regardless if you're learning or not. You learn from your peers, you learn from the way people are treating you. So what do you guys think on that? Did anyone watch that programme, Channel 4, how one school tried to end racism? I think it was in South Africa. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I just thought it was absolutely amazing how they went into the class. Everyone, I think they said it's aged 11. I think that's the age when I think you're the most impressionable and then you start to see divides amongst students. So you start, I think it becomes more race like we become friends with people based on your race essentially yeah, I think that's what from like primary school to secondary school exactly. that's when you find the people and I just found it's just I think the way that they broke down racism and the way that they split the children up and they made them think about it so and I think I don't know I think that the way they isolated the situation and they put all the black people they put all the ethnic minority people together and then all the white people then after that then they said separated even more and put all the Asian people together and then eventually everyone came back to reflect and I think because you they had were able to have such candid conversations and realize like where things have gone wrong and even for themselves I think a lot of the black students especially the boys haven't realized that they've experienced racism like it wasn't said in that specific way they just knew that was an experience they had like oh a, a policeman was following me or I got stopped or this happened to me in the shop they just thought that's because they obviously knew but they'd never said it was racism until they had to reflect and realize oh my god this is actually an issue that affects my life and I think for me specifically I think I didn't I until the Black Lives Matter movement happened this, especially this year I didn't realize how much racism I had faced because you mm-hmm. kind of it just becomes so normalized if we are able to 
educate ourselves from such a young age that we're comfortable with certain terms and vocabulary related to racism and experiences that could be racism or prejudice or but I think that'd be a really good way to make it relatable I think it just needs to be so relatable and especially not make people feel you know a bit isolated because I, I guess people feel comfortable these with these topics I think it'd be nice if we did a similar program because I think they got external people to come in they broke it up and it was based on the USA so it was really, really for me I think I found that really enlightening to watch in within the curriculum at the moment, there is obviously citizenship, which you probably all oh, yeah. love. Yeah, everyone loved that one. And there's a when you when you go to teacher training college and school, whatever university, most teachers that I know have had this lesson taught to them, where you are separate children and say, if you have blue eyes, go and stand over there. If you have brown eyes, go and stand over there. And you teach um, privilege in that way. And so yeah. if you have blue eyes or if you have brown eyes, then you are able to do X, Y, and Z. And if you have blue eyes, you can't. The resources have been there. They've been out there. But it does make me think, well, why Why has it not been working? And in that program that you talked about, Lauren, there was the young girl. And she. it was really uh, good. She was looking, talking about what she had. And she got to understand her privilege and to acknowledge her privilege and reflect on it and say, yeah. actually, it's really bad that I've got that. But I, I, I kind of want to keep it. I quite enjoy mm-hmm. my privilege. And it's okay to understand that and to see that. And the realisation, watching this young girl go through the realisation that, oh, my God, I have this privilege. I really enjoy it and I really want to keep it, but I know it's wrong, but I want to keep it. And seeing her struggle with those concepts, it was just really refreshing. So I I saw that and I I liked that. I think that's like a common factor with a lot of, like, kids that are uh, white or mixed race, such as myself, like, learning their privilege and but then again also still having to fight racism so white people not necessarily of course but um mixed race people that you know can't fully identify with either side and having their identity crisis plus the racism on top plus their privilege it creates Mm. this whole gray area that they're not really sure about and i definitely feel with um like cpd training or just teacher training in general trying to like implement that into the curriculum i think it definitely has to cater for all kinds of black people like that's like what my organization is anyway if you said you believe in like the whole like you know citizenship and you know um, inclusion and diversity at the same time so dividing a group up and then you know having those group activities what else would you say as well like what if you were a teacher for a day so Tatania, you <laughs> this should be this should be easy for you to answer like if you were a teacher for a day what would you do differently to make sure kids that are mixed race and mixed race black and white and um, how would they like go about their day how would you try and understand the issues they may be having no one's born racist you learn this behavior mm-hmm. and you learn this behavior from the people around you so if i had a day i'd probably send the children home and i'd talk to the teachers and work with the teachers i want you to address your privilege acknowledge racism acknowledge what happens yeah. and plan it i want you to plan i want to see a plan what are you going to do for the rest of this year and the next year, what happens tomorrow when these little children come in the room? Before you can teach it, you need to understand it. And that, oh, I think, yeah. is part of the problem. So I would send the children home and I would spend the day working with the teachers, getting them to acknowledge their privilege, getting them to acknowledge what happens around them and their behaviour. This thing, we talk about stereotype threat, we talk about implicit bias, it's real. You have to understand it before you can make those changes. So I'd send the kids home. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they'd be happy to get sent home. Yeah, send the children home, and I'd work with. I get the parents in. If I could get the parents in as well, because these are the people who are teaching racism. There's a lot of unlearning that needs to be done before we can teach. But I think it'd be even better if you like usurped 
a sports day or something, you know, when parents are going to be in and be like, oh, sports day, and then sports day for 2021. And it's literally like a learning session. You bring parents in with their children, they do <laughs> workshops or something like that. And you just break it down. Because I think really, like you said, if it's coming from the parents or from cultures and, you know, um, that's the issue and you need to tackle that head on. Yeah. This is the end of part one of a two-part conversation. The second part is out tomorrow. Thank you for listening to Vent Weekly. This episode was produced by the Vent production team, Jess Lawson, Amelia Gill, Moeed Majid, and Ali Adlington. With help from Amanda Fernandez, Deandra Natalagawa, and the Blueprint Collective, Vent is a collaboration between Vice and Brent 2020, London Borough of Culture. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 